Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 523, with Ryan and Alina Roman. We treat them as co-workers. We don't, I mean, although we're managers and we're owners, we don't treat them, I've never yelled at an employee, I've never, um, you know, we don't talk bad about anyone, there's no drama here, at least I like to think so, Um, and I, I chat with them, I come in and I ask, you know, how's the business going, but how are you doing? Are you ready for It Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you want new customers, more revenue, and a huge advantage over your competition, then listen up. My good friend and industry expert, Nick Fosberg, is doing something special for Restaurant Unstoppable listeners. He says most owners are wasting money on Facebook because our industry does not provide enough knowledge, and I got to say, I agree. So Nick is going to take some of our listeners and guarantee them a minimum of $500 in sales for every $100 they spend on ads. If not, they don't pay. Yes, that means he's guaranteeing a 500% ROI and new customers in your door. That's pretty rad. If you want more info, go to ru500.net. That's ru for restaurant unstoppable 500.net. Wouldn't it be great if you could play music directly from your Spotify account in your own restaurant without worrying about being pinched by the music police? Well, guess what? With Soundtrack, your brand, you can. Unlike Spotify Premium, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack, your brand is licensed for business use. And with SoundtrackYourBrand.com, you can import your favorite music from Spotify and share them directly with your guests. This deal typically goes for $26.99, but if you act now, you can get this deal for $19.99 per month per location for life. Get on it. Again, that's soundtrackyourbrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. And uh, with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Ryan and Lima Roman. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. Can't yeah. stop. Won't stop. Get in there, Lima. Yeah, great. I'm really excited today. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, let's do this. So Ryan and Lena had careers in finance and consulting. Lena previously held management positions at Goldman Sachs, IBM, Standard Chartered, and GE Capital. Ryan was a Peace Corps volunteer in Mongolia from 2009 to 2011. He also served as a senior consulting positions at IBM, the Asia Group, and Healy Consulting. Consultants in Singapore in 2014, tired of corporate careers that left them stuck behind desks eating fattening fast food, Ryan and Lena Roman decided to change things up. They quit their jobs, packed their bags, and journeyed from Singapore to Olympia, Washington. In 2015, Miso was born to bring love of life, food, and family to each bite of their guests, or each bite their guests took. Uh, so I can't wait to dive into your stories to find out what makes you guys you, but let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Um, I would say our mantra, basically miso means smile in Korean. Um, and that's something we try to embody with every aspect of our business. We want this to be a friendly, fun place that both for our guests and for us. And that's, you know, that's something that really drives us is to create a business that's, that's happy and that smiles. Beautiful. Do you want to add anything to that, Lena? 
So, yeah, what Ryan said is pretty much right. Yeah, we definitely we want Miso to be very happy and very happy place. And whenever someone comes in, I want them to leave this store with the food and with the smiley face as well. Awesome. That's pretty much our goal. I love it. Great stuff. So bring it back to, I guess, where it all started. Maybe we'll go separate. We'll start with Ryan. Ryan, uh, what were you doing before Miso? Yeah, so I grew up in Albuquerque. I had a little bit of restaurant experience working in fast food throughout high school and then more fine dining at the Hyatt Regency in Albuquerque, um, which was, I kind of worked different aspects of the the business, a lot of uh, serving, waiting tables, um, paying the bills that way. But along the way, I learned a lot of customer service stuff, paid my way through college. uh, And then I went to Peace Corps in Mongolia for two years. I kind of fell in love with Asia and put me over in Asia for another three years where I met my wife, Lena. Um, and in between the time I got a master's, um, and started working some corporate jobs, kind of got out of the restaurant business, but, um, I kind of always knew that, you know, I was probably happiest when I was working in the restaurants and I knew I wanted to get back there. Um, and Lena and I, when we were really busy with our corporate jobs, we always had, um, we are always able to share food together. That's when we, we might not be able to see each other too often because we were so busy, but when we could, we usually were eating some really good food in Singapore. Um, and we kind of started the idea we wanted to start working together and, um, start a business that served, you know, healthy, fresh food that, you know, made people smile. So at this time, neither of you really had a lot of restaurant experience. Ryan, during the pre-interview chat, you talked about working in restaurants through college and high school, was it? That's right. Yeah. So what, what was so appealing about the restaurant industry, not really having a ton of experience? Uh, what was this vision that you had uh, before getting started? Yeah, sure. So I would say, at least when I was working in restaurants, I, I feel like the, the payoff a lot of times is pretty, pretty upfront. Whereas in corporate jobs, you know, you might have quarterly results or, um, you know, you might get a raise every once in a while and you, you sign a new client or something like that where, uh, there's a lot more of a grind. Whereas in the restaurant business, I really like it because it's a team environment. Um, it's fast paced. And I think the payoffs in terms of, uh, you know, the, what you put in versus what you get out is a lot more uh, visceral in the sense that, you know, customers, I check on customers every day now and, you know, it's right there is, you know, love the food and their smiles. Uh, I never really saw that too much in the corporate world, or at least when I did see it, it was, much more rare. Um, and so that's, that's been it's the, like big the instant thing. gratification. It's pretty. In, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, there's, I would also say there's some instant pain too when yeah. a customer hates your stuff, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely more, it's, it's kind of a in your face sort of business. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Lena, I got to swing the, the, the mic your way to kind of get a little bit sure. more of your background, what you're doing before you yeah, met so, up with Ryan. Um, I'm originally from South Korea. After I graduated college, I joined the investment bank, like named Goldman Sachs. After that, I moved to Singapore to see Bigger World, where I met my husband. So I stayed in like a treasury, like the financing industry, for another couple of years. But like every time, like almost every day, it was just so exhausting. So even for that time, like we were newly wed couple, we couldn't really get to see each other because we had so many business trip. It was really like uh, not happy. So while he was on the business trip, I have to like uh, distress 
myself. So then I just started cooking after at the end of like a long day. That's how I just distress myself. I mean, to be frank, I don't have any restaurant experience mm-hmm. until we started this business. But that kind of like hobby, I always enjoyed myself like cooking something, just playing around like some ingredients. I think, yeah, I really enjoyed that part, which kind of makes me start our restaurant with my husband now. Yeah, awesome. And I'll be frank too. Like, uh, typically when I have guests on the show, like they've been in the industry for five, 10, 20 years, and I'm really trying to get as much of that experience from them in the shortest time as possible. But every once in a while, I come across somebody who's recommended, like the two of you were, from people that I respect. And like, you got to get these these folks on the show. They have a lot of great advice. And it's, and it's your background, really, that I'm interested in because you guys were both cons- consulting. Uh, uh, Lena, you have your background and you have a, a CFA, which is a yes, chief financial I officer. I have a CFA and CPA. I have a US CPA as yeah. well. And I can't really deny that like a different helps us running our business because knowing your number over your business is really really important yes exactly yeah of course like uh, you definitely have to have uh, high sales but at the same time you have to control your costs as well yes and yeah. this is why i'm really excited about this conversation because i know your prior experience is probably going to be i'm sure there's going to be a lot of that kind of feeding into today's conversation what you guys learned as consultants what you were teaching your clients and basically the the lanes that you both you both fell in i don't it sounds like you're more the numbers the back of house uh do you are, are you also responsible for the menu lena i'm sorry say again? are you responsible for the menu is that your creation the menu i mean that's like a both of us, yeah. yeah. That's he's shaking like his us. head, yes, and she's, she's trying to be Yeah, nice. but definitely the Asian flavor is mostly from me. Yep. But a lot of our ideas from my husband, Ryan. Okay, yep. cool. So I'm curious, when you guys were having these early conversations of let's go in business together, let's do this, uh, what did that look like? How did those conversations look like? What, what lanes were you guys going to be filling? Yeah, sure. So... Lena was probably the master chef, in my opinion. I was I was the uh, lucky guinea pig that got to try everything. Um, we started out <laughs> a lot of traveling throughout Asia. I think helped feed into that in the sense that we got a lot of different flavors from Korea, um, from Thailand, um, from Singapore, uh, as well as American flavors as well. Um, but we got to try that. And originally we started out with kind of an idea for um, kind of like a Korean sushi burrito, kimbab type of thing. Um, and we at one point did have a uh, kind of a Hong Kong uh, baked rice idea. I don't know if you ever had that, but um, we got to try a lot of that. We, we were always eating every night, trying different things on the menu. Um, and that, that was a big part of that. But we also thought about what we wanted um, the general like idea of the business to be rather than just the food, but also, you know, what do you feel when you, you come in the door? How so is you're the customer going service? Through, like you're putting yourself in the position of the guest and really trying to get that clarity on what your brand was going to be, what your, your culture was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that just really can't be overlooked. You can have, you can make the meanest lasagna, but if you are, um, you know, your place is dirty or your customers are, don't feel like they're taken care of and they're appreciated. I don't think that you're going to make it. And, and likewise, the same thing with your your employees is that you have to be um, pretty amiable with your employees and able to manage them in a way that gets the best out of them. Otherwise, you know, you're only as good as, as your worst employee. And, yeah. and I've seen a lot of really bad employees in the restaurant <laughs> business. Yeah. So really quick, what kind of work were you doing? What kind of consulting? What, what was your specialty when you were consulting? Right? Yeah. So I was kind of a, a corporate lobbyist, government relations specialist, um, working with a little bit of um, 
public relations, interfacing between major Fortune 100 companies and governments throughout Southeast Asia. Um, so I was traveling around a lot doing things in different sectors of the economy, tech and uh, oil and gas, um, really things that aren't too much related to the restaurant business. But the things I did learn is, you know, you got to please your customer, whether, you know, it's a multi-million dollar contract and it's a big, you know, huge conglomerate type of company doesn't really matter because at the end of the day they still got to be pleased and you know you got to make sure that that customer service is there it's really i mean just one nugget on customer service one thing that you learned specific thing that you learned i mean so for example maybe i'll guess avoiding the negatives in the sense that we might have a customer um like a big tech company let's say based in seattle um that would we would deliver, have all these monthly deliverables, um, and then there would be some screw-up where there would be, uh, you know, we missed a conference call that was scheduled. And that would just, that sort of customer interface, although the deliverables there, what we're actually, what we're paid to provide them, like say let's, in the restaurant, it would be the food tasted good. But if you messed up on one of those things, like you missed the conference call, or in the restaurant business you had a dirty floor, it can ruin that whole kind of a, merchant customer uh interaction um and i think that's what we really what i learned personally was just that you know you got to have all those you know t's crossed and i's dotted in terms of the outside experience beyond just the food okay um and real quick kind of the same question for you lena what was your specialty when you were working as a consultant what was your specific oh so I was more in the financing okay. section. So mostly my role was like, because in Singapore, the companies I worked at was like mostly like a headquarters in Asia. So I was in like a treasury team, like managing other countries, like a balance sheet, whether they are maintaining their liquidity very well or where to invest, like that kind of like a management decision, especially for investment. So it's not super related to restaurant itself, but definitely that helped me to have like eyes to see the numbers, like the big eyes Mm -hmm. to see the numbers, which is really important for you to run your business. Okay, awesome. So um, you guys are kind of reaching the point of your life where you're just not happy doing the work you're doing what was it about the work that just wasn't there for you um one it was it was extremely mentally taxing stressful um we'd have nasty bosses uh nasty customers um and we didn't get to see each other very often. I was traveling so much we were working eighty sometimes hundred hour work weeks um and we weren't at least I personally wasn't the person that I wanted to be. I wasn't um, as happy as I wanted to be. I wasn't as nice as I wanted to be. And my, my work kind of bled into my personal life. And I knew that it wasn't a sustainable thing. Um, yeah. So from from there, we just knew that. And I, that- just, I don't want to assume, did you feel the same way, Lena? Yeah, definitely. I can't deny that like, corporate jobs was like really tiring and taxing. Yeah. Yes, but I never like thought super seriously. I'm gonna open my restaurant someday with my husband. We never thought that way. One night after like a long day, we were just like eating our dinner at some restaurant which we really liked. I think it was like some kind of like the rice bowl. 
And I was just asking him, like half joke, like, "Hey, Hajima, like, why don't we just like bring this kind of food in states? In that way, we can be happier. Yeah. Isn't it better than like our current life? Because you just live once." And suddenly we became serious after the conversation. Selena planted the seed, huh? Yeah, but okay. I mean, I never, I was never serious, but I just was joking. But somehow it just like strong me. I have to do this to have like a better life. So yeah, that's how we. Started. Okay, and that was right around 2014, uh, or a little bit sooner. Yeah. yeah. Right. So from there, after I thought about that, I kind of played around the foods a little bit. We didn't really have a concrete ideas of what kind of food we would serve in America once we open. So we just like played around. I was having tests on my foods. Yep, that's pretty much it. Okay, so from the time you planted the seed to say, why don't we just do this ourselves and leave this this lifestyle? We're not happy. How much time elapsed? Actually, not that long. Maybe just like a couple months. Because at that time, I was already like preparing my green card for US. Okay. Yes. From there, we were we already decided we're gonna do. From this that one. moment that you decided, from from when you moved out here, was only a couple months. Yep, yeah, I would say like six months. Okay, yeah. six months. Uh, yes. Do you want to add anything to that, Ryan? Yeah, the the green card process was laborious, and it yeah. took us probably a solid year, which at that time was really frustrating. But now, in hindsight, it was an opportunity for us to kind of uh, expand on our idea and expand on our menu and test some things. So, so how did you make use of that time? Get specific of, uh, as to how you were making use of that six months, how you were expanding on your yeah, idea. Yeah, so we started uh, definitely testing out the menu. Um, kind of traveled around Asia a little bit, testing out different foods, feeling what kind of ideas we wanted. Um, there's a lot of great food in Singapore, a lot of like uh, they what they call hawker centers that are little food courts where you can go and test like a hundred different things all within a, you know, a block radius. Um, and so we tested all that, figured out what we liked, uh, figured out what business model, what, what kind of what kind of business we wanted to run in terms of just the general philosophy. Um, and that is not necessarily just restaurants, but just, you know, do we want to run a super button down fine dining type restaurant or do we want to run a fast casual, um, you know, healthy fast food restaurant like we are now. Um, and then we tested out the menu. We built a business plan, which took a little while. We kind of scrounged up the funds and saved from our, um, our salaries to build up some savings to start the business. Okay. So, um, did you need to go to the banks for help or did you, were you guys doing pretty well that you could put money away to? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of both. We, uh, we saved up a probably close to a hundred thousand for our first, um, opening. And then we got a small microfinance loan from a little business here called craft three that really is really helpful. Um, kind of took the risk on, on people such as ourselves that have, I needed cause getting a bank loan for a restaurant is next to impossible, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that helped out a little bit. We really pinched pennies for, for a while and we, we opened up on a shoestring budget. We had a little bit of running capital to kind of make sure that we could not only open our doors, but have say six months of slow business growth, which okay. is exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so a few things to take from this first, the running capital, get really specific as to what you mean by the running capital. <laughs> That's a question for you, I guess, Lena, yep. as Ryan swings the mic over. So again, the question was, uh, really dive into why you need that running capital, the, the significant, what is running capital and why do we need it? 
I mean, like just for everything, you want to have like some cushion because there is no certainty your restaurant will be perfect. Your restaurant will have like a thousand customers from day one. There's no certainty like that. To be honest, we thought when we opened like our restaurant, we thought we would be super popular because we were pretty like a new, like a new restaurant in this area. Yeah. Like a little like a fresh, like that kind of a fast food. But honestly, we didn't really have customers when we opened very first time. So if we didn't have any running capital, we wouldn't have survived because uh, when you don't have enough sales, you still have to pay rent. You mm-hmm. still have to pay your ingredients. Even if your ingredients, it, it all goes to waste, you still have to pay for everything. Your, your utilities <laughs> and everything, yeah. which is really important for your business because we might have uh, gone bankrupt if we didn't have a cushion. So how did you know how much cushion to get? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that <laughs> one, I kind of I used my corporate skill because okay. I just uh, built my balance sheet or like all the like net profit, that kind of like a PNL statement, which I also had to do that for our that micro financial loan. So I already had all the numbers of what we need to survive. If we don't make this kind of sales, uh, how much we need for cushion, something like that I already had that kind of numbers. It wasn't easy, but definitely my like background helped a little bit. Okay, so can you get specific as to like the the process you took or the approach you took to get to calculating? Uh, maybe you did, and I, I might have missed it a little bit. But uh, does that make sense? Like, w- what process you went through to make sure that you would have that that running capital? So. So we met with uh, the Small Business Development Council here in Thurston County. Um, They helped us kind of build up the balance sheet, what our costs would be. So we met with most of our suppliers. We had an estimate of our rent, um, just small miscellaneous costs like, uh, you know, for bowls and forks and spoons and all. So you're just going through and looking at every potential expense and then you multiply that times six. Pretty much six, yeah, yeah, per month. And honestly... I would say we times it by six, and honestly, that's probably only get you through three months because you're probably still underestimating it because yeah. there's so many, so many little things that pop up, a lot of spoilage in the first month or two, even when we're testing out the new menu, um, and and business might not be as good as you think it's going to be. I, yeah. Honestly, we thought that we were going to unlock the doors and there was going to be lines out the front and it wasn't. There was a Sunday where we had two customers. Wow. Yeah, and it was terrifying how long into the the after reopening was this sunday i would that was maybe our second sunday um and we started to see more um of a pickup with the first month uh we, we one of the things when we opened we did want to open up a little slow because we just were you know we never been in the restaurant business and we wanted to make sure that before people had our you know a grand opening and people came in and saw the disaster that our business was we wanted to make sure we got all those kinks out um and kind of used our our early customers as a you know a, a test tube for what we want to do and we changed up some of our menu um and i would say after about a month we started to get a little bit better about what we wanted um our name started to get out there and we started to see um some pickup and growth we were featured in the newspaper which was a really big help um but yeah i would say until the three four six six month period or so we really you know, we didn't break even until 
probably months. Yeah, at least yeah, yeah month well, three. We'll, we'll dive into the things that started to change and how you started to build that momentum. But uh, from 2014 to 2015, that time that you spent getting, you know, from, from when you got into the States, from when you actually opened your doors, what types of things were you making sure that you were checking off your list? Like, what were the key elements, the most important things you guys did, do you think? Before, you mean before we started? After you came to America and before you opened your restaurant. Definitely the very first thing we had to check was a location, which was really, really important. And I would say it was probably most like a toughest part to so find what, the location. What was it about your first location, which is not this location, it's the other location, right? In Lacey? We're still in Lacey, though. Sorry, I'm not from around here. <laughs> yeah, so our first location's a little small, 1,000-square-foot space on Lacey Boulevard. Kind of in the... Lacey doesn't really have a downtown, but I guess if it did, we'd be kind of the center of that. Um, and that's just 1,000 square feet. Used to be a barber shop, um, but it was on a frontage road, um, and it fit us. We know we wanted to start small um, and keep that uh, square footage down just so we didn't have to pay rent on wasted space. Um, and it was near a lot of state offices. So really dive into why it was important that you started small, and you're really focused on square square footage. That was the 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 I guess the the variable that you're using to uh, govern uh, this decision. I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, we because we that space is a thousand square feet, but our current space is about two thousand. Uh, and honestly, I think. For a restaurant like us, it's more around the 1400 mark would probably be about right. Uh, we're kind of in that sort of kind of similar to Subway in that sense or even some of the Starbucks locations where uh, there's not a whole lot of storage because in order to keep our food fresh, we get deliveries every other day or so. Um, and that way we're not paying to have ourselves store it. We basically have someone else store it and they they have the square footage for that. So storage is minimal. Um, and we wanted- Is there an, an extra expense with getting that frequent of delivery though? Um, there's not so much an expense as it is a frustration. It can be okay. really annoying to get deliveries all the time because it, you know, they come in the back door and they plop the rice bags down in the middle of our lunch rush. Yeah. It can be really frustrating. Okay. Um, but it's something that, uh, for our first store is a necessity because we just don't have the storage space to, okay. to manage, uh, you know, stocking for a week. Um, but kind of getting back to that square footage issue is just like, we knew that a business like ours was going to be about 60 to 70% takeout, uh, in which case there's really not much of a reason to have seating for 40 people uh, in a fast, casual environment in a working town where people mostly grab and grow, grab and go. Um, and we didn't, just didn't want to spend you know, rent money on, on space we weren't using and making money off of. So that was we wanted to start small, and I'm, I'm pretty glad we did. Now it's kind of a challenge because it's where our first location is so busy that keeping storage and people finding tables is 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 tough but at the same time i would rather have them have a tough time finding tables than us having tables empty another thing i would say is uh i think when people come into a restaurant and they see 50 tables and only 20 of them are taken that might look like it's not a popular restaurant and they don't want to eat there whereas a small restaurant that has 20 tables and 20 yeah. of them are taken yeah then they're like oh this place is amazing Let's, yeah yep. yeah and they'll, they'll take their food and go and i don't think that i mean I, of course i want to accommodate every customer that comes in our store but um they'll still take it and they'll enjoy it we see them eating in the car and now we have a drive-through yeah well there's a lot of people that you know and this is a conversation that comes up often on the show it's like how big you should start uh 
and I come from kind of the background of you should start as small as possible uh, because you can you know, scale into that bigger thing. It's easier to pivot. It's easier to adapt to the market. You can figure your stuff out while you're still small. And then once you really, you know, fine tune the menu, get your systems rolling, uh, get your people developed, that's when you can start focusing on the, the bigger picture. But at the same time, a lot of people say, well, if you start too small, then you won't have the cash flow to cover all the expenses because you're, you're kind of limited by the, the volume you can do in a small space. You can't yeah. cover all of your expenses. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's both correct in, in the sense, it depends what kind of restaurant you're running. I think if you're a takeout fast food, fast casual restaurant like ourselves, where the majority of people don't eat inside the restaurant, or if you're in a you know, you're in the downtown business environment where everyone's eating at their desks and they're taking it back to their office, then you really don't need that much square footage. Whereas if you're a fine dining and people are going for the experience and the ambiance, then you definitely need the square footage. I would say in Singapore, most of the like fast food hawker center type stalls are only 200, 300 square feet. They're like closet spaces and they pump out business because rent is so expensive there. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Lena, as we're, we're going? Any, any where we are kind of talking about the numbers right now? This is your territory. <laughs> no, definitely the location was very important. So that's how we ended up having our first space. After that, yeah, I always like have to emphasize like your costs. Like it wasn't really easy to control your costs because you have no idea what expenditure will come out suddenly. Because before we started, we suddenly got hit by some kind of a big government fee, which we never heard of. It was a kind of like a traffic mitigation fee, but that kind of like a big chunk of money was not even included in our budget so when we when we knew that money we have to pay in couple days we were like oh my god how are we gonna make this round do we have to ask bank more money something like that because but that's the money you have to pay to open your business in the city so i mean just you have to make sure everything we try to be try to be super meticulous as much as we could but even then we were just missing a lot of stuff okay so you're trying to be as meticulous as possible you're missing some stuff what were the, some of the the biggest things that you did miss aside from that that expense that you didn't that you overlooked what were some of the things that you missed that you wish you knew today I wish I had known our like a real customers profile better okay because when we started very first time, we didn't know what we were serving, what kind of like customers we will have to serve. Okay. That part. That's why very first time we had some kind of like carne asada steak, which didn't really go well. Because like when people come in, oh, you guys have a carne asada? But they were not really happy with that. Okay. Yeah, was, but they were more asking about like Asian flavor. You guys have this and you guys have that. Like that's how we started like adjusting our flavor. So we had like we had to adjust like our sauces or our like protein flavor, even like veggies. So we have to we had to find what they really like. So getting to know your customers were really really important. Do you have any advice on how to get to know your customer? Maybe Ryan, do you want to take that one? Yeah. I guess sure. We, Lena decided well, you're uh, handling that answer uh, when she <laughs> swung the mic very quickly. Is, in your as cliche as it sounds, is listening to them. I mean, we ask, we check on all our tables, even though we're a fast food restaurant. We'll, we walk around and we check on every every table. We try to make conversations, especially when we were starting out. It's like, you know, what do you think? Well, what can we improve on? And 
you you'll get feedback a lot of that feedback is probably you know not something you should act upon you know i think if we listen to every feedback we'd probably be serving pizza and hamburgers um but we just got to figure out how their feedback fits into what we're trying to do with healthy food or what and you know if you're starting your own restaurant what you're trying to do um and adapt that feedback also i would say not it's not just face-to-face feedback but also we reply to every single yelp review every single facebook comment um we we use that as an opportunity for us to grow because if they're taking the time out to you know criticize or comment on your business you know use that as an opportunity because they care about it i I always see it as a positive thing it's you know they want us to be better and so how can we do that beautiful um so eventually you started to you you open you said a couple uh was it the first couple months things were really kind of slow but then over time things started to pick up was that because you were listening was it because you're you were pivoting and taking in the data yeah, I would say our, our menu changed quite a bit. We, like Lena was saying, we had this sort of Southwest Asian um, mixing of our roots, and people weren't very happy. They came in, they expected uh, steak bulgogi, and they expected uh, pork and daikon and 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 noodles. And we were, you know, we had salsa and we had uh, carne asada and we had ranch dressing and people were not happy and it would sit there and it would get it would go bad and we'd be throwing it away and we said you know this is this is stupid this is we got to listen to them so we we changed um what was the biggest lesson you learned from your people by listening to them your your your, uh your guests um i would say that for us it was we learned that there was a need in this community for healthy, fast, fresh food, um, and that comes into partly what we experienced in Singapore that there's a lot of places to eat that are pretty quick and healthy and then we came back to the United States and Olympia is a progressive, healthy town, and yet there's a lot of just uh, you know pizza and hot dogs type of place, which is fine, but there was this room to be filled. Um, for salads and wraps and there's a lot of asian flavors in this town uh, teriyaki's you know kind of out of the seattle area and it's really popular here and we knew that asian food would work well um and so we listened to the customers and kind of we figured out what was selling well what was getting a good response um and I would say that was the big thing is yeah. that people really like the, the, the freshness and, and health of our food. We didn't fry anything. We didn't add any extra salt or uh, not too much sugar. A lot of stuff was um, you know, uh, homemade and that sort of thing. So. Okay. So, yeah, looking at your menu today, there's definitely more of a, a, a gear towards uh, the Asian side of things. I don't really see so much of the Southwest there anymore. Um, maybe some of the corn salsa. Is that, is that like yeah. the one thing that yeah, is it is like- a little bit, um, it's kind of a Korean Southwest type of dish. There is a, you might find some something similar in a, you know, New Mexican dishes, but, uh, the, you, a lot of like the Korean buffets will have a corn salsa slaw thing that we kind of experimented with. And people really like that. That's probably our, claim to fame is the corn slaw. So give us one thing that you guys did in those early months to really start turning things around. Like the biggest things you did to have an impact on the, the flow of people coming to your restaurant. Uh, getting our name out there through the local newspapers. Um, so here in Olympia, it's the Olympian and then there's another 
uh, online newspaper called Thurston Talk. We reached out to them and said, I mean, basically kind of wrote the article for them and said, hey, this is this is our story. This is why you should publish it, because I think your your readers would like to hear about this cool new concept in town um, and just made the the journalist's job as easy as possible. So that'd be like, all right, well, you know, I got I got a free space on Sunday edition. Let me throw it in there. And that and that really helped. I say we had two of those kind of back to back in January and February. And that's when it started to pick up. And then and just when we get those customers in really uh, maybe even a little bit over the top, make sure that they were taken so good a care of that they would go and talk to their friends and bring them in. So you took, you know, the situation into your own hands and said, Hey, we need press. So I'm going to start writing all the local media and say, Hey, like the job's done for you. Here's the article. Uh, and what was it about, uh, your story that you think resonated with them that they did want to run the piece? Um, I would say, Partly it's what our story is, and partly I think just people, you know, it's, I'm sure being a journalist in a small town newspaper is not easy, and that when you have something that's put on your plate, you're probably pretty tempted to pick it up and run with it because, uh, you know, the job is, is there. Um, but our story is pretty interesting just because we come from different backgrounds. We're new to the area. Um, we, we never had a restaurant experience like uh, a lot of other people did, and it's really different food. I mean, like we were saying is that a lot of healthy Asian, we kind of have what you, some people call a sushi burrito, although we don't really like that term. We have that, which is new I to yeah. <laughs> today. The tsunami yeah. And, a, yeah. and a tortilla, pretty good. Yeah. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, and that was new to Washington state. And so it, something that, I mean, that is new. So having something, a new restaurant with new food, that's not your average, uh, you know, barbecue joint is, you know, exciting. I think at least yeah. I, I think so. So, uh, so, so far the things that you started doing to turn things around, you're, you're talking to your guests, you're getting that data, listening to what your people are saying. And you were also being your own publicist, really getting the word out there and spreading the good news. Anything else you did to kind of really start getting that, that flow of people in your front doors. Also, the other thing that's worth, I think pointing out here too, is you were unique. You were different. You could only get what you offer here. Nowhere else. Uh, a sushi burrito. Yeah. So that's another variable that's worth pulling from that. Yeah, that's correct. And since then, I mean, that was in 2015. So a lot of other places now there's some pokey shops uh, and and you're starting to see more of the Seattle foods and Portland foods move up to Olympia. So we're not quite as unique as we once were, but we we focus on um, customer service and other aspects of our business besides the food that I think other people are having a tough time replicating. Um, but things, uh, other stuff that we did that was really um, successful is the social media game and in terms of Facebook and to a lesser extent in this town would be Instagram. But we did a lot of like, hey, share this post. And if you tag two of your friends, you can win a $10 gift card. Little things like that that really expanded our uh, reach on. Take us through that promotion. How did you track uh, how would you know who to give the gift card to? If you, like, was it whoever? Was it yeah. a random draw? Just a random draw. We would just, uh, you know, go through. We usually, I flick my mouse, and wherever my cursor lands on, that's who won the gift card usually. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we were, you know, that was our marketing budget. We didn't really spend too much on, you know, we weren't doing commercials. I don't even know if people watch much TV anymore. It's not like we could get a Seahawks commercial or anything like that. Yeah. So we spent it all on 
Facebook advertising. Basically, we would just give out gift cards and, um, you know, do lots of funny posts, anything to kind of go viral and, and show our food and be funny and happy. Um, and people really bought into that because, you know, a lot of those people, they might not even, I don't even know if some of our customer, our Facebook followers come into our business, but they like us. Uh, even if they don't like our food, they, they like what we're about. They like that sort of funny, uh, happy sort of environment. So when you said your Facebook budget, uh, you know, that budget was just basically the coupon that you're giving away at the end of the day. Yeah. We would, we would put a little bit of money behind the Facebook posts. Um, maybe just five to $10. Uh, I think now our monthly Facebook budgets probably, it's not much, it's less than 1% of our sales, but it's, uh, maybe a couple hundred bucks, not, not okay. too much, but, it, um, but it's more about giving it back to the customer, less so giving it to Facebook, but giving it to the customer of free stuff. All right. No. Miss, miss CFO, CPA, <laughs> uh, what kind of return are you getting on that $100 a month? I'm sorry. Say are you, are you tracking the return on that $100? No, month? normally like uh, normally I just uh, give him, give Ryan like uh, Ryan, we have like uh, this much budget you can spend on your marketing advertisement. Do whatever you want. Because um, okay. I have to like super support. He's our marketing brain. And we have our own section. You have to take care of this. And I take care of this. And we don't really like cross each other's like job. Okay. I respect what he's doing. And he respect what I'm doing. He doesn't like watch over my shoulder. And neither do I. So whenever he does like all the like marketing, especially on Facebook, it really, really worked out very well, especially in this like a small town. People like to talk. I still remember one of the one of the Facebook posts he did was like my wife I wanna make my wife happy today. Any like a fancy idea, where should I take my wife? And we had like hundred, hundred like comments below that. Wow. Yeah, even for people who don't get like any gift card, people just like to talk, especially especially they can have like interaction with the owners and they just like to have fun okay which really really help our business eventually cool ryan anything that yeah it's sometimes facebook's as as the analytics of facebook are as targeted as they can be sometimes it's tough to see if those really translate as customers i mean i know that there's plenty of people that follow us on facebook that don't even live in washington um and they might never come in to to me so but um i i do feel that it's enough to get our name out there. Um, whether it comes in every day is tough to say, but uh, I mean, I, I would rather have 10,000 Facebook followers than zero. I mean, whether, yeah. whether it's a, a direct correlation in our sales is probably not there, but you know, I can say with certainty that it's better to have than not. So one thing Alina started to touch on a little bit there was knowing your lanes, staying in your lanes, and just trusting that the other lanes are being taken care of. So what are those lanes that you guys have established today? How, sure. Where are these lines drawn? Well, I think it's interesting, unique for us in the sense that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're co-owners and we're also co, co-husband and wife. Um, and so we need to make sure that we uh, take care of our marriage before we take care of our business. Um, and they go, they go hand in hand and I don't want any, I want both of them to succeed. And, and in order for us to do that, we built up a little bit of walls, okay. um, walls that we don't really, we stay in our lanes as she likes to say, in the sense that I, I don't really criticize her. Um, she might, you know, she'll keep me updated about what's going on in terms of the financials. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll share a Facebook post or some marketing idea that I have and she'll give feedback on it, but we don't really, 
you know, critique each other or anything like that. And it translates what we've picked for that is kind of, uh, you know, what we excel at. So she's really good about controlling the cost of our business. She's really good at, um, managing our employees, I think a little bit better than I am. Um, and, and also we can do the good cop, bad cop with our employees where she can be really nice and I can be the stern voice and, and, um, yeah, so we we kind of chose our lanes that way, and it's worked pretty well. We, you know, when we first started out, we were such a small business that we didn't have the um, we didn't have the opportunity to pick our lanes because there's just it was kind of you know foot on the gas, do everything that we could to get up and running. And because of that, I think there was a little bit more um, budding of heads early on because we were in the restaurant for. 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And that can be a really stressful environment for, uh, uh for anyone, but yeah. especially for a married couple. And now that we're a little bit bigger and we have more staff, we're able to focus on our own specialties and really dive into what we like to do about this business. So you said Lena's kind of focusing on the financials, uh, maybe sometimes the man- people management, uh, relations. What, what, are, what are your lens? Yeah. So I, I really focus on marketing, um, and sort of the social media, I respond to all of the Yelps. Um, we're here, both of us have are fairly hands-on for um, the restaurant. Was, th- these two restaurants are our baby. So we are here um, uh, pretty much every single day, um, stopping in when we're not here. Um, and then I try to focus on uh, a lot of the like equipment stuff. There's always things going on there. Um and just taking care of our employees is the, the employee side of it is a, um, it, it, that takes probably a, a that's a two person job. Yeah. Uh, that's, that can be challenging. And there's sometimes I can be the, the stern voice. Um, and Lena can be the soft, gentle motivator. Um, and then I try to focus a lot on the, the customer side of things, making sure that our customer service is good. Uh, the cleanliness of our facilities is up to par, um, and just making sure like we're running a, a business, although we're a small business, we want to run a business that's has systems in place that are repeatable, that when we're not there, that the business isn't catching on fire. Um, and that takes a lot of training in our employees, a lot of trust, um, and a lot of protocols that, um, I think are important both for any business, but especially for a small business that's, um, trying to grow. So a couple more things I want to talk about before I kind of just pass it up over to you guys and open it up for free range. Uh, you keep on coming back to customer service, the significance of customer service. So what are some nuggets on customer service, some, some takeaways we can get from what good customer service looks like? What are some things you do? Yeah, I think customer service is everything because you can have, a, you know, you can make the best filet mignon, but if you're treating your customers with disrespect, that's they're not going to come back. Um, and they're not going to love your, your business and tell their friends unless you're, uh, you know, you're taking care of them. So we kind of, I mean, you've seen the show cheers, right? It's a bar where everyone knows your name. We want that sort of, uh, environment here. So where how, how do you take care of them? What, what things, what specific yeah. things do you do? We try, we check on all the tables. We always greet them. We always say goodbye. Uh, we, even though for a fast food restaurant, we can be really busy. We always try to take that extra moment, even if it means having an extra staff on just to walk around and say, you know, Hey, how was your wrap? How was your, you know, did you like that sauce? How was your first bites? Um, and we talk with them and try to get to know their names. Um, see if there's anything that we can take care of. We provide them with new sauces and kind of walk them through the experience because for so many of our guests, this is all new to them. They never had bulgogi. They never had kimchi. Um, and that's the fun part is getting to kind of like 
um, share that with them and trying to treat the kind of something that I learned in Peace Corps is like, you know, um, people bonding over food and using it not just as a commercial transaction where here's your money and here's your food. Thanks. See you later. But more of like, Hey, you know, this is, this is where it comes from. This is what we're trying to do. And, and thanks for being here because we, we wouldn't be here without our customers. Um, I don't know if that's specific enough, but it's, it's not, it's an art form. It's not a science. It's not, we don't have a protocol of like you say this and say that it's, you know, you try to be personal and we try to remember their names. Um, and then, and it extends outside of our business. We try to respond to all the feedback that we get on Facebook and Yelp and, and anything like that. So, um, so you and Lena, I mean, this is your baby, right? That this is, uh, your livelihood, your life. Uh, how do you transfer that customer service, that mentality of caring, uh, to your, your, your staff? How do they care for your guests at the same level you care for your guests? Yeah, that's a, that's the million dollar question. I think, um, I think it's important that we take care of our employees. We pay them living wages. Um, we treat them with respect. Uh, we treat them almost as like co-owners. I think one of the biggest differences between a good employee and a bad employee is is ownership. Is when the employee just comes in to collect, you know, clock in and collect their their pay stub, they're not going to be good employees nine times out of ten. Whereas a customer. Uh, that turns into an employee that's that likes what we're trying to do. That's that's passionate about food or customer service or or uh, being healthy. Those tend to make the best employees because they actually care about what they're doing. Uh, so, how do you treat an employee like an owner? What's give me a specific example of something that you'll do to kind of treat them a little bit differently? Yeah. Um, we treat them as coworkers. We don't, I mean, although we're managers and we're owners, we don't treat them. I've never yelled at an employee. I've never, um, you know, we don't talk bad about anyone. There's no drama here. At least I like to think so. Um, and I, I chat with them. I come in and I ask, you know, how's the business going, but how are you doing? I, it's kind of cliche, but like, are you guys doing well? Are you, you know, how's your girlfriend doing? How's what's up with your boyfriend and where are you going off to school? What are you learning? Um, because most of our staff are between, uh, 17 to, to, yeah, just kind of all ages, but they're younger. Um, and I think with the millennial generation, which I'm a part of, uh, they want that sort of, um, personal interaction and respect that uh, maybe previous generations, they just wanted a paycheck and occasional raises. Uh, we, I would say we do, we do try to give plenty of merit-based raises um, and reward our staff for a good job. Um, we promote very quickly. Uh, when we find a good staff, we really hold on to them for dear life because it's a competitive environment for labor right now. Um, and you know, there's places, especially in a city like this where so many government jobs pay really well, it's tough to kind of keep them from jumping ship. Um, and one of the ways we do that is just by making sure it, it's part part salary, part monetary, but it's also just, um, you know, having a flexible schedule, having an environment that's that's comfortable and friendly and, you know, they get to have fun and work with their friends. Um, that's not too serious. Yeah. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Yeah. It does. Um, so, Lena, do you want to add anything on to that or... As he's talking, I mean, Miso is very proud of having very low turnover because one of our um, most of our employees used to be our regular customers, and they became our step. They ask us like, uh, "Are you guys hiring? I want to work here," something like that. 
And a lot of our employees who, who were hired like in 2016, they are still staying with us, which we are really proud of. So, I mean, like, uh, they, of course, a lot of our staff are much younger than us, and we are here to help them as well, and they are here to help us as well. Mm. I don't want them to drag themselves like every morning, every night to come to work. I want them to have, have fun at the workplace. How do you make sure they have fun? I mean, I don't know. I think because uh, we are not, I mean, we are owners, we are bosses, but I always try not to super boss, boss them around. They are not machine. I want them to be treated with respect. So, I always try to be there when they even need like some listening ears because of their family issue or some personal lives. They can always just come to us just to talk. You guys can like, can advise something like that. Okay. Yeah. Ryan? Yeah. Uh, so we, we have probably some of the lowest turnover in the industry, I think. I mean, there's, I've worked in restaurant industry restaurant businesses where it's a hundred percent and you know there's people coming and going on a yearly basis and some of that's cyclical they're going off to school and we have the same thing but um we for the most part have maybe 10 15 percent turnover a year just uh we really hold on to the staff and and part of the way that we've learned that is from our previous jobs is that we weren't super happy we had i, I had a crappy boss at times uh, a boss that might pay me really well but i didn't feel I didn't feel respected. I didn't feel rewarded um, on a personal level. Maybe financially, hey, here's here's some money, but you know, if I feel like a cog in a machine, then I'm not going to stay there. Um, and we've tried to do that with our employees. Of course, it's a it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to. We want to be soft with our employees in the sense that we respect them, but we don't want to be so soft that they start to walk all over us. Um, and they can do that, but you know, we. We do everything that the employees do. We don't. I, I do dishes. I scrub toilets um, because if I'm if I think I'm above it, then how do I expect my employees to do the same thing? Yes. Um, and we we check on. We try to have. Um, typically, we have quarterly sit downs with all our staff, um, performance reviews, and we give promotions. You know, we, we might give an employee three or four promotions a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wh- the only other thing I want to talk about uh, before moving to the speed round is who you are today versus who you were uh, three years ago as far as owners and the way your business looks like today versus then. What are the biggest changes you've made in your business to kind of be where you are today? Yeah, personally, I mean, I think we're completely different people. <laughs> uh, um, I'm much happier. Um, I'm much more in control of my life. Um, I don't just making sure when uh, we say this, who you you're comparing yourself to who you were uh, then, not your business partner. C- correct. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Yeah, correct. Sure. Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a professional side. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but we're we're definitely more happy. We're more in control. We we're a little bit more um, tied down. I guess the business can really take up a lot of time. We don't get as many vacations as we, we would like, but, um, I'm more, I'm more satisfied on a, like a spiritual level about what I'm doing. I feel like I'm actually contributing something that is beneficial where I see it. Like we were talking about at the, the kind of the head of this conversation is that I see people and people are happy. And that's something that I'm like, it's like a public service almost Mm -hmm. to me. I feel like I did when I was in Peace Corps. 
in terms of where our business is is at compared to where it was when we first started, it's, I mean it's it's larger, but we still stick to our roots. We're still still focused on customer service, still focused on serving healthy, fresh, fast food, um, and we've matured a lot in our menu. Um, we kind of focusing on we, we we're trying to cut trim the fat in terms metaphorically in terms of things that don't work in our menu we get rid of and things that we we excel at we really focus on so that's one thing i did want to point out yeah. you guys have a pretty small menu essentially there's uh four options that you have four staples that like you can pre-select or you can build your own uh in four different ways you can either it's so basically just just walk through the menu or like real quick the structure of the yeah menu. sure it's a little bit like a the fast cat it's like chipotle kind of but for healthy asian food so you can do a rice bowl a salad uh, a nori wrap which is kind of like korean style kimbab or you can do a misurito which is a spinach tortilla asian burrito type of thing um and it's really simple you can just put uh you can choose how you want it your protein your toppings and your sauces or you can we have pre-fixed uh signature items if they're kind of overwhelmed by the menu they can choose one of those and we'll just uh, make it for them. It's a little bit easier, but um, it's really simple. We try to keep everything less than seven, um, kind of that, that choice theory that if you have more than seven options, people get a little overwhelmed. So we try to keep everything pretty small. That way the customer is more satisfied. Also, it helps cut down on waste. We don't have things that are sitting around not getting uh, served. Um, cuts down on waste and also makes our food fresher too, is that uh, there's a lot of turnover on the, the minimal menu that we have. So that way um, the quality goes up. Okay. So, I mean, what is, what's the benefit of keeping it so simple though? Cause I feel like most of the ingredients you use across the, I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six menu options as the signature options you have. I mean, you're using most of those ingredi- ingredients across all the boards. As far as training goes, I mean, it's a fast casual operation too. So you, 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 it's almost like you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here. You guys choose to be, choose to be here, but you've set it up simple enough that like you can replicate it. You can. You're in your second location now, after three years. Uh, I mean, would you be able to do that second location if it wasn't so simple? Uh, no, uh, no, we wouldn't. I think that uh, in terms of repeatability, and I think this is applies to to growth as well as if you ever wanted to franchise a restaurant is having something where the systems are in place, especially for the food that, uh, it doesn't take a rocket science, uh, major to, to do it, or it doesn't take, you know, a Michelin star chef to know how to, to cook different Put you know, rice on the tortilla. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's things that are tough. A lot of stuff yeah. is home cooked and we have our recipes, but, um, they do them so often and so frequently that it's kind of second nature to most are, they, they pick up pretty quickly, but, um, and that, I, I would also say another thing that's beneficial about having a simple menu is our, uh, service times in the sense that if we had a whole bunch of choices, then it would slow everyone down. Mm-hmm. Um, customers would be overwhelmed and it would take longer for them to order. And this location has a drive through, which would be even more important to have, um, simple, quick, uh, options for them to get in and out usually within under a minute. So, Anything we haven't discussed up to this point that you were hoping we would discuss before moving on to the speed round? Uh, not we covered a lot of stuff. I mean, I would say if I were to give any feedback to um, potential restaurateurs, is that I would make sure the numbers, like Lena was saying, is it's really important to control your food cost, control your your labor cost. Um, 
that that can be overlooked. I know people kind of harp on it a lot, but I don't think you can harp on it enough because it's that's make or break. I've seen so many restaurants that, you know, they make amazing food and they're pretty busy and yet they're closed and shopped two years later because their rent was not negotiated yeah. and they, you know, they're paying too much or their suppliers are too expensive or they have food waste or they have excess labor. Um, that's really important. And the other thing I would say is just really know what you're trying to do. Try to I see a lot of restaurants that are, you know, they're serving hamburgers and they're serving teriyaki and they're serving pizza. And it's, you know, figure out what you want to do, figure out, um, figure out what the customer wants and see how those interact and then really focus on that. Mm. And I think that everyone's going to be happy and you'll have, like we were saying, a simpler menu that, um, is easier to train people on. And, um, you know, the quality of your ingredients can go up and your cost can go down because you're not buying, you know, a million things. So awesome. Anything to add, Lena? Or are we good to go to the speed round? Brian already emphasized the number of times on customer service because everyone can make a yummy food, delicious food, but customer service is really, really important to make difference because Otherwise, like we will lose customers when we don't provide this nice, awesome customer service from us or from our employees. What I would like to say is like just to treat your customers as if your family, your parents wanted to be treated. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Awesome way to get this thing wrapped up before going to the speed round. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors so I can keep gas in my tank and we'll be right back. I've got a serious question for all the owners and operators looking to increase revenue and get more new paying customers in the door. Here it is. How many times would you trade a $100 bill to receive $500 back? As many times as you could, right? That's a no-brainer. Well, here's the deal. Nick Fosberg, who's written one of the best marketing books for bars and restaurants, who's also been a guest on this podcast a number of times now, reached out to me and wants to run an experiment with my listeners. Nick is looking for a small handful of owners who have a Facebook page, and he wants to set up a promotion for them. But get this. He wants to guarantee them $500 in sales for every $100 they invest in what he is calling his VOP promotion. If he fails to do this, you don't pay a penny. That's the experiment. And just recently, he ran this same experiment to help the owner of Carl and Chell's Grill House get a 282 offers redeemed in just two weeks with net sales of $14,552. If you're interested in getting more information, go to ru500.net. That's RU for Restaurant Unstoppable 500.net or click the link in the show notes for more information. Finally, a simple, affordable, and legal way to share the music that best represents your brand. It's called Soundtrack Your Brand. Get access to soundtracks tailored for any business. Side note, studies have shown that playing the right music can impact your sales. Do you have questions about what that right music is? Soundtrack Your Brand can help you there too. Here's a fun fact. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening to this already have a Spotify account. Well, you can take playlists from your account and import them directly into SoundtrackYourBrand.com. And my guests are always saying on the show that their restaurants are an extension of their own personal brand. Well, so isn't your music. And now you can marry these things together legally. Unlike Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack Your Brand is licensed for business use. Skip the hassle of ASCAP and BMI because with Soundtrack Your Brand, it's already included. You can even schedule music for the whole week 
and adapt the music for each day part. Typically, this deal goes for $26.99 per month. But if you act now before the end of August, you can get this deal for $19.99 per location per month for life. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? This is going to Ryan first. Very passionate about what we're doing. Um, Very passionate about health and fitness. And uh, I love being here at work. Uh, I think that uh, every day I come in, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to our customers. And that helps us you know, run this business. If I, if I didn't like what we were doing and wasn't really, you know, absolutely in love with this job, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Lena, swinging your way. Look out. I don't want to take yeah, off your head. Kind of same as Ryan. Cause like a couple years ago when I was having corporate job, I was never able to say I like what I was doing. It was really sad. We had like a good salary and some people say, oh, I envy your job, but we were not happy at all. But now every single day I can say I love what I'm doing. Beautiful. That really makes me happy. That makes me happy. Uh, What is your biggest weakness? We can keep it on you, Lena, or we can swim back. Ryan first. Ryan first. Okay. Um, So... I mean, kind of this is like the interview. My greatest weakness is my biggest strength. Gotcha sort of thing. But yeah. I, kind of the same thing. It's like sometimes I can get a little too personal about the business. Like it really, I wear my heart on my sleeve when someone uh, is critical of the business. It's It can be tough to kind of uh, process that in a professional way without detaching myself from. Because I mean, like we were saying, this yeah. is this is our baby. When yeah. someone criticizes, it's like someone saying you're see baby. You do better. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like you're you're knocking on my baby. Um, yeah. So that that stuff because I, I I gotta re- keep telling myself, hey, you know, not everyone's gonna love it, and a lot of times when they do give you feedback, that they're just trying to make you better. Mm-hmm. And what is your biggest weakness? Go for it, Lena. I smiles too much. <laughs> I want to consider myself I'm pretty good at like a stress management but at the end of the day I'm just a human so when something just goes wrong and you know sometimes you have like a double whammy like all the bad things like happen like suddenly at one time then I can't really sleep at night even if I try to think very positively it just becomes like a personal like Ryan mentioned Okay. Yeah. I got so you. of course that affects our business because uh, I can be really happy the very next day, even if I try to hide my like emotion. Yeah, that one I still have to work on it. Okay. <laughs> so what is uh, one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? First time. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say why do they want to work? Why do they want to work in our business? Because, um, you know, they can work in any, there's so many people that are hiring right now, um, that they can work anywhere, but kind of getting back to what we're saying is that the, the biggest difference between a good employee and a not so great employee is that they're passionate and they actually take ownership of what they're doing. Um, and so we just want to know like, why here? Why me? So, because, um, you know, if it's just, I want to collect a paycheck and you guys are hiring, that's usually not, yeah. it's kind of a deal breaker for us because we want someone's like, Hey, I like your food. I like, I like this environment. Um, that sort of thing. What's your biggest challenge today? I, 
we're always trying to grow our customer base, especially for our second store. Um, getting new customers in to try food that they haven't necessarily seen or even heard of before. Um, we want, although we're a health food restaurant, we don't try to shove it down their their throats. We want people to. We want miso to be a place for everyone, right? Whether you, um, you know, you're into healthy food and kale and organic stuff, and uh, or if you just like your hamburgers and and that sort of thing. We want to try to bring in new people and uh, get them to to try something different. Um, and and if it's healthy, that's you know that's that's a positive, but it's not necessarily you know, the main thing, why they, they would be here. Beautiful. And uh, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. Yeah. <laughs> Lena like, keeps on yeah. swinging the mic back at yeah. <laughs> so, what, <laughs> so what Lena said earlier is that we want kind of the golden rule. We want to treat everyone the, the way we wish to be treated. Um, and that's both for our suppliers, for our coworkers, and for our guests, um, we want them to be treated the way they would, you know, if an elderly person comes in, how would you treat your grandma, right? How would you treat your, your pregnant mom? You know, you would probably go above and beyond if someone's got their tray of food and they're, you know, they're having a tough time, uh, putting it away. We'd be like, how would you want your, your, someone to treat your mom? And that's, mm. I think that's one of those things. Sometimes you, it's tough to train customer service, right? Um, it's easy to train someone how to wrap Nori. It's tough to tr- train someone to be nice. Right. Yeah. Um, and trying to get them just to, to just be upstanding moral citizens, I guess. Okay. <laughs> what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So the last one was core value. This one is a service, something that your guests or your, your staff does to your guests that you've taught them that's unstandard within the industry? Yeah, well, we have the three big things is that we want to make sure that they're greeted um, and that they're acknowledged and that way they, you know, they know that they're in MISO and that they're, they're less likely to walk out the doors because there's that human um, connection. Um, and then we always check on the tables that checking on the tables is a really good way to make sure that people are happy because I feel like the further they get away from the door, the tougher it is to rectify a bad situation or it goes to Yelp and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third thing is just, you know, invite people back, take good care of them and say goodbye. Um, those, those three things I really, uh, you know, I pound into our employees cause I feel that those really help us succeed. What is one book that's a must read to make a better person or a restaurant owner or operator? Oh, that's a great question. I have multiple answers for that one. Um, there's a lot of good books about hospitality that aren't so much about the restaurant industry, but um, some of the restaurant books, uh, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer is really good. He's the guy that runs uh, Shake Shack. Um, and, it's a very uh, recommended book on the show. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're familiar with um, that. There's a, I forget, there's a book by the, I think the old CEO of Ritz Carlton talking about like the five standards of excellence of customer service, which I think is really important. Uh, some of the books. Name of that book? I'm not sure, but something with five excellent service by the Ritz Carlton or something. Um, and I like a lot of the books. Some of the books written by um, the Starbucks CEO, the uh, how, what's his name, Howard uh, how, uh, Howard it, Schultz, or no? Was it? It's like sorry, pour, pour another cup, and there's oh, yeah, uh, yeah. onward. Um, those are pretty good. Uh, what other customer service? Uh, yeah, anything with the hospitality industry. Uh, Lena would also kind of chime in. Is I think a really important book to starting a restaurant is a book called uh, Restaurant by the Numbers. 
Okay. Um, Restaurant kind success of, by the numbers. Exactly. Yep. That book's really good for the the accounting side of it. Okay. What was your biggest lesson from that book, Lena? Restaurant success. I'm sorry. By the say numbers. again. What was your biggest lesson from Restaurant Success by the Numbers? From that book? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I already mentioned a couple of times. Like, honestly, like you don't have to have a CPA license. You don't have to major like accounting, whatever. But let's just understand just a basic number to run your business. So that book just was written super easily. Everyone can understand. Okay. Beautiful. All right. Uh, what is one technology you're leveraging within your four walls that's had a big impact on operations? Right now, it's social media still. Uh, I think that's probably an answer for a lot of people is that uh, connecting with people outside of the restaurant um, and interfacing uh, really, you can make it more personal, I think. I try to respond to people, you know, as I would um, rather than just some generic corporate account. What's one resource online you go to to learn more about social media? Um. Probably just the social media themselves. I really, I follow pretty much every major restaurant, every major uh, hospitality type company. I follow to see how they're doing it um, on on Instagram and Facebook because they have really good ideas and it's interesting to see how they uh, deal with clients and customers. All right. This is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? If you guys got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true about your success. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? <laughs> now they're, they're both pushing the mic back and forth on this one. That's a tough one. Three things. I'm going to get at least one out of you. <laughs> it's for this. For personal or for the business? Uh, personal. Yeah. Business, whatever. Think, things uh, I mean, I, the golden rule. It's not uh, – treat others the way you wish to be treated. I mean, it's it's a little cliche, and it, but it applies to the business and it applies to life. It's like we got so little time on this earth. Um, you, you know, live the life that you want to do and treat others the way you wish to be treated because, you know, they're just – it's a good philosophy to go That's through life. With. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say kind of getting back to me, so smile. You know, don't take life so serious. Do what you want to do. Um, if you're stuck in a dead end corporate job, get out of it. You know, take a risk. Open a business. You know, marry marry someone. Go travel. Um, you know, live live happy. I'll I'll do. I'll take that as being two and three. So smile and do what you want to do. Yeah. And are you sure you don't want to add anything to that, Lena? No, I'm good. I think Brian said already. <laughs> what I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Well, again, guys, thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> to uh, to sit with me, to share your story, to share your advice. Uh, it was a great conversation. I wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one person you think I should get on the show? Somebody you admire, somebody you guys look to uh, for, for inspiration and for wisdom. Well, you already had Erica from Vans Burger. Um, you could try um, Eastside Big Tom's. is probably a really good restaurant to talk to. They've been in business for, I think, 70 years now. A uh, local hamburger shop. That would be really good. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I forget his drawing a blank on his name. All right. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Look out, Tom, coming after you or yeah. the guy behind or the yeah. lady behind Big Tom's. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, it was an incredible conversation. Just let the folks at home know how can we uh, connect if we want to follow your work or check out what you're up to. Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook at Miso Fit Fast Fresh, uh, and as well as Instagram. And you can also reach out to us um, at www.misofitfastfresh.com. 
So one question, when you're saying miso, it means smile, but when you're putting it in miso fit fast fresh, is that a play on the word of miso and I'm all these things? Or does it just we happen to be that? We don't way? play around with that word as much as we should have that the pun on miso. <laughs> miso is also the soup too, but yeah. uh yeah, just fit fast fresh is our motto. Okay. Uh, fit fast fresh and I would probably add on friendly if if it but that's too long, too big of a mouthful, but uh all right guys, this was a great conversation. Uh I appreciate you again taking the time. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Ryan and Lena, thank you so much for sharing your story and your advice. And I think the big lessons for me in today's conversation is if you're not happy doing what you're doing, get out. You only live once. Do what you're passionate about. And I think that... It's really cool when I get people like Ryan and Lena on the show, people that have very little uh, experience in food and beverage, uh, but then they go and they chase their dream of opening a restaurant and they're successful. And I'll be honest, most of the time when I'm talking to people, I would I would advise them not to do what Ryan and Lena did. Uh, I would say go work for somebody who's successful. Learn as much as you can about this industry from others who have done it. But the cool thing about Ryan and Lena is that they had really great experience in their careers prior to the hospitality industry. So you can make it happen. Uh, but, you know, I think they're a special case because Lena with her CFO and uh, CPA experience, I mean, that's a big part of the industry. Ryan with his customer service, another big part of the industry. I mean, they had experience building the skills that they would need to be successful before getting into the industry. And they had a lot of great advice today, too, around customer service and uh, like running capital and making sure that you have money in the bank, you have that runway, you have uh, that cushion for the mistakes you will indefinitely make. Uh, so great stuff today, great conversation. And uh, thank you again for joining me. Like always, guys, please do reach out to me. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com is the email. Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I'm here. I'm listening to you. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Uh, if there's a special topic that you want me to go into deeper, I'll find an expert. We'll discuss those topics. Uh, and you know, keep those five-star reviews in iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. But the best way to support this podcast, the, the ultimate compliment too is by simply sharing it so if you know of anybody out there who's aspiring to be great who or who's passionate about the restaurant industry put this sucker on their radar the mission is to inspire empower and transform the industry but if we're going to do that we got to make sure people know about this resource so uh thank you in advance if you have shared restaurant unstoppable all right that's all for today thank you so much for sticking around this long i love you all until next time peace out <laughs>